The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the first Doctor story, sort of, Mission to the Unknown. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash secrets of Doctor Who. Retweet us on X formerly Twitter, at SQPN, and leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you online. Uh, another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy is The Secrets of Stargate, which you can see my shirt from The Secrets of Stargate if you're watching the video. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Stargate. So we are discussing this. I, I said it's sort of a first Doctor story. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens then we can get into what's really going on here? This week, we have the ultimate Doctor Light episode. It's so light on the Doctor that neither he nor his companions appear in it at all. (laughs) It's also perhaps the darkest Doctor Who story of all time for reasons we will see. This one-part story is set in the far future. An Earth rocket with three surviving crew members has crashed on a hostile alien world, they're here because a Dalek ship has been seen in the area, and Mark Corey, a member of the Space Security Service, is here to investigate. But both of Mark Corey's crewmates get infected by Varga plants. These are synthetic Dalek creations from Scarrow, and if you get stuck with a Varga thorn, you basically get rabies, turn homicidal, die, and then turn into a Varga plant. When this happens to his two crewmates, or when it starts to happen, Mark Corey cold-bloodedly shoots them both dead. That leaves Mark to save the day by sending a message rocket to let the galaxy know what the Daleks are planning to do. The Daleks are here on this planet for a conference with six other extragalactic powers to form an alliance. They will conquer our galaxy starting with Earth. Mark learns all this, but just as he's getting ready to send the message, the Daleks find him and cold-bloodedly shoot him instead. So he fails in his mission to warn the galaxy, and the Daleks and their evil allies are triumphant. Just for once, everybody dies! (laughs) Not even the Doctor and his companions survive, because they're not in this story. All of our heroes die, and they completely fail in their mission. The end. How uplifting. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the uh, I have to wonder if the TARDIS wiki has an error in it, because it says this is the only one part serial in the classic era, except for the five doctors. No, but wasn't that's correct. That's that's Black Orchid. Black Orchid is a two part. Oh, it's a two parter. Right. And and, and five doctors is a a 90 minute special. So it's really technically like a three part or four part that's been pushed together into one. So this is the only real 25 minute one part story. Okay. Okay. And my understanding is it, it, and it's the only Doctor Who overall in the Doctor Who franchise that doesn't have the Doctor Companions or TARDIS at all, uh, mm-hmm. which, which you mentioned, Jimmy. Um, and it's my understanding that this was a kind of a backdoor pilot by Terry Nation to get a, yes. a Dalek series going. Yeah, Terry Nation, the Daleks were so popular in the 1960s. There was a period known as Dalek mania where folks were just 
crazy about Daleks. It was kind of like Beatlemania, only with Daleks instead of Beatles. <laughs> and um, he was constantly, or no, I don't know, I don't know that I can say constantly, but he he repeatedly tried to get an independent Dalek series going. It never worked. He tried it both in Britain and in America, and this was meant as a kind of pilot for it. Um, the space security service that Mark Corey works for was going to be the Daleks antagonist on the series. So even though Mark Corey dies in this, if if they had gone to series, the space security service would be regularly trying to stop evil Dalek plans. And that would have been the main conflict in the series. Uh, now, in a Doctor Who context, this is a setup for a 12-part series that is coming in the first Doctor's time soon. Um, it, the 12-part one is called The Daleks Master Plan, and it's going to pick up on the same plot that we have here with the Daleks and their alliance of extragalactic beings trying to harm Earth. And we will meet additional space security agents, who will, who, one of whom will be a temporary companion of the Doctor named Rose. Um, but... Um, uh, but even though we got that serial, we never got a Dalek series. Also, there's an interesting thing about the chrono about the chronological placement of this. Um, perhaps for filming reasons, they they cut away from our regular crew at the time, which was you know the Doctor and Stephen and um, Vicky, Vicky, and and focused on this. So this would have been dramatic for the original audience. It's like we've been following the first Doctor and Companions for years now, and then all of a sudden, episode where they're not there. Mm -hmm. And then they come back in the, after this story with a serial called The Myth Makers, which is set in the time of the Trojan War. And uh, Vicky departs in that. She ends mm -hmm. up becoming uh, Cressida of Troilus and Cressida fame. And so she becomes a figure for, of Earth legend. And then the Doctor and Stephen go into um, the master plan of the Daleks, and we pick up a new temporary companion for that story. It's, I mean, she's it, temporary because she's only in one story, but she's there for, you know, bunches of bunches of it, multiple episodes, mm -hmm. mul the equivalent of multiple regular serials. Um, so this episode is sometimes called because we cut away from the doctor and his crew to do this story, the production crew referred to this as a cutaway episode. And so this is often called the Dalek cutaway. Mm. One thing that's kind of an interesting, I think it's kind of an interesting idea about this, not just of course as a pilot um, is that um, a potential pilot, but that it it's, it's a prologue to a, another serial. And that's something that who doesn't do, ever again you don't ever really see a prologue except Torchwood. when we start getting when we start getting into the the web webisodes and youtube right. specials and things like that that's where we kind of start seeing you know night of the doctor is very much a prologue to day of the doctor for example right but in in classic who that was something they never did yeah you never really you know it, there there were hints of the next serial you know as, as the stories would continue but to have an actual episode that is like we're setting up the next serial or a serial later on in the case of Dalek Master Plan. So I think it's an interesting idea. It's also kind of interesting that Terry Nation had the idea of the Hooniverse, the, you know, the sci-fi universe that's so popular today that all these, everything else, every other uh, uh, 
market, you know, Star Trek has a, a universe and Star Wars has a universe and Marvel has a universe. Terry Nation had that idea back in the 60s. He yeah. was ahead of his time as far as that was concerned. Of course, he was he was looking to market his his moneymaker. So I, I can understand why you'd want to do that, too. Also, it's noteworthy that this is the very last episode of Doctor Who produced by Verity Lambert, the original mm. producer. Mm. Interesting. You know, the other thing that's interesting about this setting in its, in its time is James Bond, spy stuff, the man from uncle, all that stuff yep. was huge in the 60s. It's cold, you know, all that Cold War stuff. And so having the space security service, which is essentially a futuristic MI5 or MI6, mm-hmm. I can never keep those straight. <laughs> the MI, uh, MI6, since the Daleks are foreign. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> right. So uh, the MI6 is like CIA, MI5 is like FBI. and But it's like a futuristic... MI6 and and so you have you would have these uh James Bond like characters and whatever this this you know proposed series would be running around fighting against the equivalent of Spectre you know so in in James Bond so i i i find that a fascinating idea and what of a what could have been what would have been um uh, you know, idea and Torchwood eventually kind of picks up on this really i mean is Torchwood a spiritual successor to Mission to the Unknown well Kind of, I, I except it's not focused exclusively on Daleks, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a human centric force that deals with alien incursions and so forth, and that's what the space security service did. Torchwood also is set in modern day, whereas the space security service is set in the future. Right. That's correct. Right. Now, another thing that's interesting about this particular story is it's got, it's lost. It's a, one of the mm-hmm. lost stories of the first Doctor. And the only thing that exists from the original production is the audio, right? Do they even have yeah. telesnaps to this? They, they do not. They they do have a few production stills uh, that were snapped behind the scenes but not transmitted. But that's mm-hmm. it. They're, it's it's just the scripts and the audio and a few production stills. And then they at one point they made an animated version. Is that correct? Um, I forget if there's an animated version of this. There was a, there was a sort of kind of like Telesnaps production that even though they don't have Telesnaps that was done mm-hmm. by Andrew Levine. Um, more recently, there was a group of students at a British university right. who did a, a reconstruction of it with live actors. And that's the version that I watched. Yes. Right. I think all three of us Same watched year. this. And this yep. this was the University of Central Lancashire. And the it was a student production uh, uh, approved by the BBC. It's this is on the BBC's YouTube channel, the, the official Doctor Who channel, I think, um, that they yep. produced, released it in October of 2019. Yep. And the- it is shot for shot, as far as I know, mm-hmm. but certainly line for line, a recreation right down to... The special effects and the visual style, black and white, right. matching what would have been done in the 60s. They, the yep, costumes they and everything. To, uh, they, they tried to make it look almost as, as aired as it mm-hmm. originally was produced. Of course, obviously, they're using modern equipment, but they worked with the BBC and they set up the sets. You know, the, it's, it's not like a modern recreation where it's all new sets and all, all new. You know, it, I mean, it's new sets, but I mean, it's not, it doesn't look like. A 2020 production. It looks like a 1960s production, including the sets and everything, like it would, like a studio that would have been at the time. Um, the only, the only kind of nod to modern Who is the voice of the Daleks is Nicholas Briggs, right? So it was not a student doing the voice of the Daleks. It was actually the current voice of the Daleks doing the voice of the Daleks. But the students did everything else, including filming and editing. 
Uh, again, acting, sound design, all that sound design, all that stuff. Man, I read really quote, good. I read a quote from them that they didn't know how significant this episode was in Doctor Who history. They just thought, "Here's a one part Doctor Who thing we could do," and they didn't realize, "Oh, and it's lost, and it's yeah. the setup for this major plot, and things like that." Um, my my word to them is, "Okay, now do Dalek's master plan, <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing. Do that." <laughs> Because I've <laughs> I've seen the Daleks master plan, but it's available in like Telesnap reconstruction, mm-hmm. and um, with a few live scenes that survived, like the, we right. have the first companion death in mm-hmm. in um, it, it first two companion deaths. Now that I think about it, in uh, Daleks master plan, and one of them. So in the Myth Makers, the Doctor picks up uh, a new companion named Katarina who is like a girl from, I forget if she's from the Greek culture, the Trojan culture, mm-hmm. but um, she thinks the doctor is a deity. And that's not too surprising since in Acts, you know, the people at Ephesus think Paul and Barnabas are deities and they call yeah. them Zeus and Mercury. Paul gets to be Mercury because he's the one that talks the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she perceives the TARDIS as the doctor's celestial temple. And this is an interesting idea, but they very quickly concluded for one reason or another, I don't know whether it was on the writing end or the actor casting end, that the the character wasn't going to work. And so in Dalek's master plan, Katarina sacrifices herself to save the doctor by being airlocked. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And the airlocking scene actually survived. (laughs) Oh, man. One one reason why the, the students said they did this is because it is a doctor in companion free episode. Mm-hmm. So the main characters of the series aren't there. So it was easy to replace just the, the, you know, the characters who show up for this one off. Yeah. They, and they don't even try to make them look like the original actors. No. Mm. Um, I mean, number one, they're all in their twenties mm-hmm. <laughs> and the original actors weren't. Um, also, I noticed the one, I forget his name. He's the guy who's initially infected at the beginning of the episode. Garvey, and, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got his name here. Yeah, Jeff Garvey. Um, he, the actor who plays him, has got a beard. And even though there were a lot of surprising number of beards in 1960s Doctor Who, this actor was not one of them in the original mm-hmm. transmission. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they didn't make him shave for his uh, his role. Yeah. <laughs> for his two-minute role. Uh, and it's not a long, you know, it's a, it's a standard length, you know, one-parter. It's 25 minutes. So, um, And even then it's padded. <laughs> and even then they have to bat it. Not right. as bad as some episodes, but yes, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a so, lot of there's a lot of unnecessary bickering between the humans in this. Um, yes. We, and it's just paint by numbers, 60s bickering TV dialogue. Now, a big part of this story is the Varga thorns. Mm-hmm. And we're told that these are plants that are native to Skaro and that they've been found on this planet. And that's one of the things that. Agent Mark Corey thinks that the Daleks have moved to this planet, which is uh, Kemp, called Kemble, and it's ex- extremely hostile to life, or something like that. It was like you, you, you uh, no one should go there uh, because it's a very deadly planet. And <laughs> frankly, the most hostile thing there are, are the introduced life forms, the mm-hmm. the, the Daleks and the Vargathorns, which uh, are them, and the Varga themselves are genetically engineered by the Daleks. Right. They're like plants that are uh, guard plants Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way Uh, so that if you're they have these massive thorns and if you're stuck by one of them, 
it turns you into a homicidal killing machine, basically, which is turns you into a very, zombie. It really kind of turns you into a mm-hmm. zombie. Right. And uh, it's a very, that's a very uh, Dalek thing to do, right? <laughs> to continue to exterminate, to kill everything. Uh, so I thought that was And then eventually into one of the plants itself. Right. Right. You, yeah, it transforms the person. So we had this, these uh, very interesting costumes of the, you know, you see the legs of the actor coming out of the bottom and then this, I don't know, like balloon things with thorns. Fluff, yeah, fluff look, with thorns. Look, looks kind of like a dandelion, only with spikes sticking out of it. Right, right. Yep. There, there is one thing, like the the um, description of the original, like as as the infected person succumbs, the original description says like they had like white uh, hairs like growing out of their back and out of their arms and like these long things. They didn't do that in the reconstruction. It was much more subtle, say, mm-hmm. just like a little patch of, you know, wolfman fur on the back of the hand, that sort of thing, or on the arm. Uh, yeah. I noticed that. They also, the, and I can't, I'd have to listen to the original audio to see how the acting was in the original, but the dialogue wise, it's pretty simple. You you have a person who's normal and is kind of fretting about me, about having been stuck by a Varga plant. And then all of a sudden the person just starts going, kill, 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 kill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What what was that you said? Uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's actually a line at one point. What did you what yeah. did you say? Mm-hmm. The the uh you mentioned there's a lot of padding. There's there's so much chit-chatting between Lowry and Corey as they're trying to get off this planet and survive, you know, and fix the rocket or at least get this uh the 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 uh, signal rocket up with a recording you know an automated recording mm-hmm. and there's just so much chit chat between yeah, well, them like stop talking and do the thing well and, and it's <laughs> one of those things too where Lowry thinks that Corey is on equal level to him and it's like no actually I'm in charge here because I'm you know secret service and you're you know but he doesn't reveal it until like halfway through the story I know right. for for a dangerous espionage mission to scope out our Daleks here, they they're so focused on helping the audience understand what's happening that mm. the dialogue is unrealistic. Because in real life, you would explain our super dangerous mission before we embark on it, and we'd <laughs> right. have our chain of command in place before we leave. Um, but they've got to they they want to they start in media res after. One of them has already been infected and zombified or he's effectively under his rabies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they backfill the story for the audience through lots of expositional dialogue that is inserted in and around their attempts to fix the ship, which is crashed. And so there's lots of chit chat about fixing the ship. And I agree, Dom. It's like, will you guys just get on with it? <laughs> right you know one of the things that it is, that is very I mean, uh, if they had gotten on with it and not backfilled the audience yeah. on everything they might have survived right yeah. right or at least got the message off uh there is a interesting quirk of writing about space sorts of things in doctor who of this era and a lot of sci-fi of this era uh, they t- they refer to the solar system as if they're in the solar system. And there's like lots of talk of there. The, the Daleks are coming to this solar system. They're in the solar system. And it's like, are you referring to the nine planets that, well, the nine recognized planets mm-hmm. of the, of our 
solar system with Saul as the as the, as the primary uh, son, you know, or are you the solar system have this expansive definition? Because very often in the first and second Doctor, they talk about like there's the tenth planet, and in that episode, the tenth planet, and there's like all these other planets bopping around in, in our solar system. I I think that um, part of it is it may be due to the age of the writers because the modern set of conventions where we have galaxies that contain stars which have solar systems a lot of, and all of this is within the universe a lot of that terminology is recent um mm. we only got proof that other galaxies exist in the 1920s as we talked about on the how we found the universe episode of mysterious world um so into the 1920s it was a live option. Is the Milky Way the only thing in the universe? And it's just black outside of that. Mm. And then eventually we got proof that the uh, what were then called the spiral nebula are actually distant galaxies um, as opposed to just local nebulas here within the Milky Way. And that was when we had this, whoa, the universe <laughs> is so much bigger and fuller than we realized moment. But even then, the terminology was not was not uniform. The what we now call galaxies were originally called island universes, because when it was thought that the Milky Way and it's the Milky Way has been called the Milky Way or Milky Road um, since the Greeks and maybe earlier. Um, so we knew we knew about the Milky Way. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know it, it was a disk made of stars. Um, it's just this milky band of light in the sky. And um, and so if it was the only thing in the universe and then we just and you thought about it that way that, oh, the Milky Way is the universe. And then we discovered there are these other things out there that are like the Milky Way. OK, then they are island universes and they were called island universes for a long time. And eventually the word galaxy um, came to be applied to them. But there was some inconsistency about the terminology, and that may have applied to the term solar system, too, which might have been understood. And I don't have verification on this, mm -hmm. but it might have been understood as like any system involving stars. Right, right. Terry Nation was uh, I just looked was born in 1930, so he would have been mid 30s at this time. And yeah, I mean, not a science guy and right. not a science guy. Right, right. Um, the the other the interesting thing, as you mentioned, Jimmy, is how much of a like a big downer this episode is it's it, everybody everybody dies and they don't even get the message warning off like the, it, as this ends it's bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, even worse than fang rock where everybody but the doctor and leela die here mm, just right. everybody all the heroes die yeah. <laughs> and you don't even see one dalek blow up yeah true it it makes me wonder i mean is was this might have been why the the uh the Terry Nation's series never got off the ground because people watching this were like, oh, that's that's a big downer. Nobody's going to want to watch that. Well, he would have sold it not on the basis of this, but on the basis of the Daleks master plan, mm -hmm. um, which does have a happier ending, <laughs> although there's plenty of death in that, too. Um, my suspicion is that the the real reason that it never got made is at least in part because Terry Nation didn't have that many ideas for the Daleks. If you if you look at what he writes, okay, he's we have the initial Dalek story, 
you know, um, and then we have this where they where they're trying this master plan and we have the chase, which is just a chase. And then we have Genesis, the Daleks. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. All the Mm -hmm. other Dalek episodes in classic who with, I mean, there are some variations. The there's one in the fifth doctor's time that Terry nation didn't write, if I recall correctly. But if you look at the rest of Terry nation's Dalek output, it's all just recycling the same plot. And, Daleks try right. to take over the Earth. Yeah, yeah, right. I could see. Yeah, maybe they they had they didn't have the confidence in him to provide enough content for a full series. Yeah, so it's too or, bad. That might have been and, interesting. And, and I'm sure BBC, since there's always a struggle of even properly funding Doctor Who, was not willing to say yeah. So let's spend more money on a science fiction spinoff when we don't want to spend money on the the original science fiction series. Yeah. Right. He also tried to sell it in America, but Americans didn't have Dalek mania over here. That <laughs> was that. Yeah. When, when did Doctor Who really hit big in America? Uh, Mid 1970s. It was with mm-hmm. Tom Baker's era. Okay. All right. So uh, anything else you at the risk of, um, <laughs> padding this too, <laughs> our yeah. discussion. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Mission to the Unknown? There's not a whole lot else going on in this story, so you know we. I think we covered a lot of it. But Father I Corey? Did, get a, did it get a kick out of the the to produce the recreation? They actually found it, or, you know, era perfect uh, di- uh, dictation machine, the real to real dictation machine. Yeah, used for the the SOS. You know that they they could have made just a fake you know, box that looks like one, but they actually found one. You can see it spinning and everything as, it, as he's recording it. So I think that was pretty cool that they, they were able to source something like that for the yeah. purposes of this. That's true. That's true. Jimmy, any, anything else? Well, we really didn't do our go round on what did we think of it? So I'll, oh, I yeah, guess I'll sure. conclude with mine. Yeah. Um, you know, even though it's, even though it's got some padding in it, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some interesting ideas and it sets us up for a big story and it's different than what we normally get in the it's creative and that it doesn't have the doctor or companions at all. And everybody dies and they fail. And how often do you get to see that on Doctor Who? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I got to give him credit for taking a risk. This is this is a big a big risk to take. And you would you would never see it today, especially given, you know, a, a whole series is six episodes these days. You're not going to do Dr. Light anymore. Uh well, but you might, is. but but you're not going to do no doctor and everybody dies and fails anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So it, it 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 was. Yeah, it was a bit refreshing to see something different uh, like this. Yeah. Father, Craig, I, did you? I, I, did, I agree. No, I agree. I, I, it was it was it was an interesting story. Like I said, at the beginning you know, the idea of doing a, a prequel to a major uh, serial is, is something, again, Doctor Who doesn't really go back to until recent times and i think that was kind of an interesting way to do it and i did uh, again i I did like the the recreation that was done by the students i think they did a great job um even with you know that they had to kind of pull back some of their acting to get a little bit of the cheese the 1960s (laughs) cheesy acting in there you know you you know and that had that had to be that had to be fun for the students to do too you know yeah kind of do that my guess is the uh, acting of the great alliance was probably the most fun (laughs) because some of that was really (laughs) And I, I, I really like the visual appearance of the Great Alliance because they're all humanoid, but they're really trying 
to make them look visually distinctive. Yeah. And, and they get a little more creative in the costumes for the uh, extraterrestrial alliance than Star Trek does. You know, Star Trek is commonly just bumps on the forehead or something. Mm-hmm. But here, and, and there are even members of the Space Alliance we haven't seen yet. They don't show up until the Space Alliance comes back in the Daleks Master Plan. And some of them look really creative in a kind of cheesy 1960s way. And I just love the Space Alliance, you know, costumes. Cool. All right. So uh, I think I think that's about it for, for this time. Um, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including James B., David B., Bill Q., Andrew V., and Donna C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is brought to you in part by Sam Castry Law, LLC, focusing on business and entertainment law in the greater Chicagoland area and intellectual property law across the U.S. Learn more by visiting castrylaw.com, C-A-S-T-R-E-E-Law.com, licensed to practice in Illinois and before the United States Trademark Office. And we'd also like to thank Zyman Yannick, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. What do you think of Mission to the Unknown? And I'll make sure to include a link to the YouTube where you can watch it. I'll include that link in our show notes on our website so you can watch it and to let us know what you thought. And let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can watch The Secrets of Doctor Who on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 12th Doctor story, Sleep No More. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you. Kill, 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 <laughs> kill, kill, kill. I think something's wrong with that, Jimmy. Father Corey Stegan, thank you as well. Thank, thank you, Dom, and I'm, I'm glad we're, we're separated by many miles in electronic <laughs> right now. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you killed Jeff! Jeff!